It is January 18th, 2023, and welcome to episode 170 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Jones, Deputy Executive Director of NSI, and Andy Kaiser, a senior fellow at NSI. I'm Lester Munson, also a senior fellow at NSI, and today we're talking about a couple of amazing recent news items out of the People's Republic of China. First, we learned that China's population in 2022 actually declined by almost a million people. Uh, this is the first time uh, China's population has gone down since uh, the early 1960s when uh, China was uh, undergoing a famine created by the Chinese Communist Party's uh, terrible economic and uh uh, totalitarian policies. Uh, we have also learned that China's economy last uh, last year only grew at about 3%. This is a much lower rate than the normal 7 or 8% economic growth China had been enjoying for decades. Uh, and so that it's almost like a recession in Chinese terms. So it's important to put this in, in context. China is the world's most populous country, although probably not for very long, and maybe not even now. Uh, India may have surpassed China given certain measurements. Uh, but China generally has been in the world's largest uh, country. It is the second largest economy in the world. A lot of people expected that China, China's economy would exceed that of the United States uh, in, in a few years. That prediction now seems to be at risk given this slowdown. So these developments kind of beg certain questions. Uh, given the structural changes in China, are uh, are we expecting that China's behavior uh, in terms of national security and foreign policy is going to change because of this? Maybe not next week, but over the next few years in the coming decades, how will this impact China's behavior? And then secondly, how should the U.S. respond if China's behavior is going to change? Andy, I know you're as good a watcher of uh, the Chinese Communist Party as there is. You've, you've uh, got some very nuanced views on uh, the challenge presented to us by China. What's your reaction to these revelations this week? Yeah, I do think it's very significant globally, um, for, you know, not just in, in the region where you're seeing uh, India for the first time pass China uh, as the largest, uh, most populous nation on earth and the implications therein. But as you mentioned, does it start to undermine uh, China's economy and in, and in turn their social contract that essentially the Chinese Communist Party has held uh, with its population, which is essentially, let us run the show, don't ask too many questions, and we're going to bring you 7% economic growth every year. Well, if this uh, demographic challenge continues on the path that it's on, that gets awful harder to pull off. Uh, you mentioned this this year, those, those numbers are already down, particularly due, due to COVID. But uh, then what's super interesting, I think, for, for us and, and all, all China watchers uh, on uh, listening in is how does the Chinese government react to this new reality? Do they begin lashing out? Do they begin, uh, you know, both internally, which we've seen, you know, some unthinkable things uh, internally, namely a million people sitting in a, in a concentration camp in Shenzhen, including regionally, do we see, you know, more aggressive actions uh, towards, say, Taiwan? So these are the these are the questions I think we're going to keep an awfully close eye on. But this trajectory has to be very concerning for the leaders in Beijing. 
Jones, we were talking uh, right before we started recording about uh, the Chinese government's decision to go from zero COVID to 100 COVID in about five seconds. What are your thoughts about that change and why we're seeing that and what what the pressures on the government may be right now? I mean, I agree with everything Andy said and and the the messaging that the party has and the, the social contract that it's existed. And so, you know, what we were talking about was whether the zero COVID protests were the first kind of frame, right? This belief, this belief in that, that social contract is starting to break down, right? We don't have the economic growth that we had before. Um, the jobs, you know, we have, we see in the PLA is having a hard time recruiting. They're not filling positions. They're having a time finding, especially like advanced, you know, engineers to deal with missiles, um, part of the Navy. And you even see manufacturing sector, you know, recruitment is down. And so you, you know, what that means, you know, you push back whether what the zero COVID you know, pushback by the CCP meant. I, I do wonder long term, it's hard with demographics. You can't see what the long term is. That's a long term game, right? So we're sitting here trying to predict what a declining population, labor shortage, decline in economic growth, what that means and, and how people respond. Andy, uh, I, I'm kind of interested, you know, it's it's incredibly crazy to make predictions about what's going to happen in a decade or two, right? And these like long-term projections are, are fraught with great peril. Uh, and we'd be a little crazy to kind of predict where things are going to be in 2040 or what have you, but let's go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, last year we saw Xi Jinping uh, basically give himself a third term as the senior leader of the Chinese Communist Party and therefore of the Chinese government unprecedented. That hadn't happened since Mao Zedong. There'd been kind of an understanding among senior communists in China that they would share power amongst themselves. There'd be a rotation. This would be a group effort. Now it's one guy. Do you think that uh, that phenomenon, this, this kind of power grab by Xi Jinping, was maybe uh, an acknowledgement that the pressures we're going to see because of the population decline and the slower economic growth, maybe even negative economic growth in the near future, is indicative that that the Chinese Communist Party understands what's coming and they're clamping down. They're they're pulling power into themselves. They are uh, they're consolidating as a way to keep control in what is going to be very rough seas ahead for China. Yeah, it's hard to know uh, whether this is one guy's idea uh, or, uh, you know, a, a group of folks around uh, President for Life. Uh, she, uh, given the opacity of uh, the CCP's internal workings. Um, but one thing one thing is clear. They have made this strategic shift. Right. So they uh, governed uh, since 1979, since Mao's death. Uh, in the in the opening uh, in 1979, they've governed by consensus these four-year uh, terms. They've also, I think, a, a, a huge shift in what I, you know, what I think probably we all believe will be a a, um, a strategic uh, failure or a strategic mistake long term. Is a huge part of China's growth was this openness, this acquiring and engaging with the West acquiring their, you know, technology innovation through legitimate and illegitimate means. But that exchange of ideas, that um, openness to uh, on the economic side, you know, internally, externally help drive this huge economic. The CCP calls it an economic miracle. It's sometimes it's hard to argue with how many people have been pulled out of poverty over over time. But it's, it's hard to ignore that um, the, the fact that a lot of that growth came from this engagement with the West, with uh, democratic, strong you know, powers around the world, not just not just in the West, of course, but throughout Asia. Um, 
and now they're turning their backs on that that very key to their success and how to you know where does that leave them going forward i'm not sure i think it, i do think it is going to be a seen as a huge mistake jones let's go to lightning round here at the very end uh how should the u.s respond uh should we change our policy in terms of seeing china as a near competitor in the short term how do how do we adjust to these structural changes that we see coming in china easy question to answer quickly i think we stay the course i don't think in the short <laughs> I don't think anything in the short term is changing. I do think, you know, I, what I think is interesting about this is that China is the first country to see a, a declining population, but it's going to happen for most of the countries across the globe, right? We're going to have a global population decline by the end of the 21st century, maybe even 2050. So how they react, how they deal with a looming elderly population, I think might actually provide some lessons and maybe some practice, you know, best practices to watch out for, for all these other countries, including the U.S., as we, as we have to respond to the same challenges moving forward. Andy, quick answer. Does the U.S. change its approach to China in the near term? You know, I think it, it might open some opportunities. I'm actually very interested in in perhaps uh, the aging population in, in China. And we saw that in Russia. And, it, and obviously that impacts their economic growth, but it also forces the government to spend more money on social welfare programs for their aging population, which means they can't spend as much on missiles and aircraft carriers and the things we worry about pushing us out of the South China Sea, dominating that region, and in turn looking to have much more of a say globally as a, as a, as a leader. Yeah. My quick thought, uh, don't change U.S. approach now. Uh, treat China as potential growing threat. But 10, 20 years from now, we may need to be able to flex to a different reality in the Asia Pacific. Okay. That's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Aga Khan from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 